hope you enjoyed those two creative pieces. I want to pray for us now, and then let's jump into the Word of God. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for these incredible moms that you have blessed us with. I ask now that every person uh, behind this camera will hear a word that is customized for them. Every man, every woman, every child, every teenager. Will you do what you always do, and that is lifted off of your word and implanted in our hearts so that we might never, ever, ever be the same again. Thank you, God. Lead us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen and amen. Thanks, everybody, for being here. I am really excited about our talk today. Jada crushed it last week. Uh, put some claps in the, in, the, um, in the chat and just tell me how much she did. She crushed it last week. Here's what she reminded us of. She reminded us that as... as uh, as parents, our responsibility, uh, there are stages that you need to shift. And our responsibility is to move from the concept of discipline to the concept of training to the concept of coaching and then to the concept of friendship. That's what we're reminded of. If you missed it last week, just go check it out on demand and you can get the whole talk. It was a really, really uh, helpful and impactful talk. Today, however, I want to talk about the, this is a, listen, about the purpose the purpose of family. God created this beautiful thing called the family. And I've never heard somebody talk about this. It might mean I don't listen to enough sermons, but I've never heard somebody talk about it. So I wanted to lay it out today so that it is clear. So let me tell you how I want each one of us to view this. If you're a single person, the way I want you to view this talk today is I want you to see it as the preparation for you so you know what the expectation is from the Word of God upon your life. Yeah, I also want you to evaluate the, the, the environment that you grew up in because family matters. Your environment matters. So I want you to evaluate it that way. If you're a parent that's growing up, your own kids and trying to train them or coach them or become a friend to them, they've left the house, then I want you to ask yourself, as you look at it, I want you to say, how did my family do? And then I want you to ask yourself, how, did, how, how am I doing right now? How do I need to evaluate it? What are the adjustments I need to make. And then if you're a grandparent or if you're a dad, I mean, looking back on what you did, I want you to evaluate it. And then I want you to ask yourself, how do I become a friend to my kids and help them not make the same mistakes I made? Let me see if I can tee it up for us today. Ladies and gentlemen, um, I have a bow and arrow in my hands. And <clears throat> this looks like a regular arrow, but it's not. Uh, so what you would normally do is you would get it up, you would pull it all the way back, and then you would fire away. But it looks like a regular uh, arrow, doesn't it? Well, really, there's a big difference between this one and between this one. There are two big differences, massive differences between this arrow and this one. An arrow is made up of three parts. You have the arrowhead, the shaft, and then something they call fetching, which is each one of these feathers. And this is so very important. 
This one has none. So when it is fired into the ear, what happens, there is no stabilizing force. So then it wobbles, it goes up and down, and it does not go as far, and it is not as stable as it goes through the air. This one, on the other hand, because it has fletching all attached to it, then the fletching, each one of these are designed. When it leaves the bow to stabilize it so that it goes further, so that it goes faster with more accuracy. Ladies and gentlemen, today, I am going to give you four, one, two, three, four purposes of a family, why God created, why he allowed us to have a family, and what each one of these functions are as you try to hit the target that God has created for your child. Ladies and gentlemen, if you miss this talk today, it should be revelatory because it is going to set up your kids for the best opportunity to hit the target God has designed for them before you even considered them. So here we go. We're going to talk about all four. Number one, we're going to talk about your family being a sanctuary. Number two, we're going to talk about your family being a scouting agency. Number three, we're going to talk about your family being a school. And number four, we're going to talk about your family being a, a, a service provider. Your assignment in all four is to make sure as you're getting ready to launch in the early years, in the middle years, in the later years, as you're getting ready to launch your kids into the future, you must make sure the stabilizing impact of your kids are ready so when they leave your house. They're going straight to the target God has designed for them. You come with me and let me reveal to you four things. That's all in the text. But so many families miss this because we get so caught up with our self-centeredness or we get so caught up with, with the chaos that's going on around us that we miss making sure each of these four stabilizing forces are critical to the effectiveness of you raising great kids. So here we go, everybody. The basic principle says this. Here it is. It says, it has to be in me before it can be in them. Here we go, which means you have to have four stabilizers, and if you didn't get them, then you have to begin cultivating them, because if it's in you, then it will naturally be caught by your kids and be in them. How do we do that? Well, come on with me. Let me show you what God has to say. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7 through 9 is where we're going to pick it up today as we get ready to launch into this talk on today. Here's what it says. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools, however, uh, despise wisdom and instruction. In other words, he's saying, wise people revere God. Wise people are in awe of God. Wise people trust God. People who are unwise, that means they say they see no connection between today and tomorrow. Those people, the text says, despise wisdom and instruction. In other words, they think they can do it all by themselves. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm trying to get your attention today. Wise people start out. The foundation is you got to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. They start out. You have to live your life in awe of God. So when you get up in the morning, your kid should see you hit the ground and tell God, thank you for waking me up this morning. They should see that as a regular pattern in your life so that it can become one in theirs. Look at verse, look at the second verse. The second verse says, watch this now. He, he's going to talk about the two 
temptations for rebellion. Watch this. He says, hear, my son, your father's instruction. In other words, the temptation is for you not to listen to your dad's instruction. Number two, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. The tempt second temptation is that when you leave the house, you're going to forsake what your mama told you in the house. He, su he suggests one of the temptations of rebellion is when your dad's giving you instruction in the house, you're not going to follow him. Second one is when your mom has laid the foundation and taught you righteousness, you're going to want to abandon it when you go off to college. So therefore, he says, I'm setting you up. Here's what wise people do. They're going to, they're going to follow their dad's instructions. And when they leave the house, they're going to take their mom's teaching and not forsake it when other people tell them things that are contrary to their mom. What's the result of this? The text is suggesting. What, so what? Why should I do this? Here's what it says. Next verse. It says, it says, indeed, here's the reward. They, wisdom and instruction. That's what the they mean. Wisdom and instruction. A graceful wreath to your head and ornaments around your neck. In that day, what, 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 was, what were people's desire? What would they want to be? They'd want to be like the king. What did the king have? He had an ornament around his head, and he had lavish gold and jewelry around his neck. And it was the envy of the world, which is why everybody wanted what the king had. Ladies and gentlemen, in light of that, here's your assignment. That Go back to verse number seven. Verse number seven then says, it all starts with laying the right foundation and fearing the Lord. If you fear him, parents, then you will give the right instruction, and then, moms, you will give the right teaching so that your kids will be the envy of the world because they will marvel, the world will marvel at how they are wise in the middle of a chaotic environment. Let me begin the process now of laying out all four. Ladies and gentlemen, all of us should experience this. Let me lay out all four for you. Let's go to number one. Number one says it's a sanctuary. By the way, if you do not have this handout, you can get it by simply going to our app and downloading it or they'll put it in the chat now so you can get it. And after the sermon, you can simply pick it up and you can have it all filled out for you if you ever miss anything. So just go right now and see. We're going to start on the top left. I'm going to talk about your family. Listen, family matters, family matters, family matters. We're going to talk now about your family being a sanctuary. It's a sanctuary. Remember, uh, verse number seven started out by saying, it all starts with the, you fearing God, you being in reverence of God. You being in awe of God. Uh, Psalm 128, Jada mentioned it last week. It starts out by saying when a, man, when, when a man takes God seriously, all the blessings flow. All the favor flow. Which is why your house must start out being a sanctuary. It's, it's a, it is a shelter in the midst of storms. Ladies and gentlemen, all of us are going to go through storms. We all do. Storms are a normal part of life. It's like one of these things. Have you ever tried to step on one of these things before? It is extraordinarily difficult. And your family, please listen to me, your family, as they go out in the world, tries to live life. And every now and again, as you try to balance it, it is like a storm everywhere you go. There are financial storms. There are relational storms. There are physical storms. And you're always trying to balance it. And the Bible says, when they come to your house, they should not experience this. They 
they should experience a solid ground because when they come home to you, it should be a shelter that protects you in the middle of the storm. Lord have mercy. Somebody's going to walk with me today. What my Bible is suggesting that it is a shelter for you. Now, pastor, what do you mean storms? That means that you and I have the responsibility when those, when those kids come home, when those teenagers come home, when those twins come home, that there is a stability there that they can know for sure that once they walk in that house, they will have unconditional love like God has given to you. Therefore, there are three areas of this. Number one is change. How do you deal with change? Number two is failure. How do you deal with failure? And number three is rejection. How do you deal with rejection? Let's talk about all three for a moment. There is change. Everybody's going to go through change. We're going through change right now. You're going through change because, uh, first of all, you came into a season where you could do anything you want to do, and now you're in a season where you are hunkered down in the house. Some of us are so glad to get out this weekend because finally we can go enjoy, we can do a little bit of shopping with some social distancing, and you're excited about that. But your kid, your child, your teenagers, your young adults has just gone through this change. And one of the responsibilities of your household, of the family, is that when they go through change, they see in your life how to model and what it looks like to handle change. Too often, when you lose a job, how do you respond when you lose the job? Is it the end of the world because you're going through this change? Or are you putting your trust in God? Are you revering God knowing that he has a plan for you? Many of us go through failure. Things happen. One of my favorite games to play with my kids are, is shoots uh, and ladders. You know why I love that game so much? Because it doesn't matter the degree you got. It doesn't matter how many letters behind your name. It does not matter how smart you are. Because the whole game is, is built on the roll of a dice. You roll it, you go all the way up. And sometimes fortune says you can go up the ladder. And every now and again, fortune says you need to come on back down. We're playing it the other night, and uh, uh, it was myself, Jada, and Joe, and we're going up, and we're going up, and mommy is winning big time. Mommy is in the last row. She's going to win. And Joe starts getting a little frustrated because he's not winning. Well, that's life, buddy. You ain't going to win all the time. And wouldn't you know it, God gave me a sovereign illustration because as soon as mama threw the dice again, she hit a shoot, and she had to come all the way back down. And now all of a sudden, he had a big smile on his face because he saw that he had a great opportunity to win again. Well, that is a teachable moment. How do you handle change in the Edwards household? Well, my friend, how do you handle failure in the Edwards household? Well, my little buddy, let me tell you something. Sometimes you win and sometimes you lose. And it is your assignment to prepare your kids so that when you're winning, you handle it well and don't think it's all because of you. And when you're losing, you handle it well and you do not also think it's it's all because of you. Every now and again, life will throw you a curveball, and it's your job to make the adjustment. Remember that God is sovereign, and if he allows it, he has a plan for it. Your assignment then is to make sure when those, when those balls get teed up in front of you, you are, you are preparing the sanctuary environment so your kids know beyond the shadow of a doubt that this is a place where we're going to teach you how to handle change and how to handle failure. But then there's rejection. You know this one. Some of you right now are, can still remember bad things people said to you 20 years ago. 
He has to remember. You can call the person's name. You can see their face. You can even tell what they had on when they said those mean things to you. Well, you know kids going to say some mean things. If you're not sure, just go in the first grade room and you will see. Next time when we open up, just go in there. Kids say whatever comes to their mind. They do not care. They are not impressed with you. They don't care about you. They just want to let it rip. So every now and again, I'll be walking past and my, even one of my kids will say, Hey, Daddy, you stink. That is disrespectful somewhat. It's a young man. But here's what he's doing. He's just telling me the truth. You just finished working out. You ain't smelling fresh, Dad. Or they'll look at me one day, and, and they'll come, and we're playing, and we're having a great time, and I'm throwing them up in the air, and all of a sudden, they'll land, and we're wrestling on the ground, and we're fighting or something. And then, and, then, and then my daughter will say, Daddy, do you have a baby in your belly? What's wrong with these kids? How rude, how disrespectful, absolutely. I said, no, baby, I don't. And, 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 and the, for the, for the, for the, for the three-year-old, I ain't going to say nothing yet. But for the seven-year-old, you better believe I'm going to say, no, is that a nice thing to say? You know why you have to have those? Because if you don't teach them in your house, then they'll say anything when they go outside of your house. <clears throat> so it's your assignment then to make sure when they deal with this kind of failure, every now and again, he goes out and he does something and he's not winning and he's mad. And he comes up and says, Daddy, I'm not the best in my class. I said, well, why aren't you the best? He says, because this person can run faster than me. They can do math faster than me. And I said, well, how do you get to get to become faster than them? And I said, how do you do that? He said, I, said, I said, by practice, practice. Practice, practice. So if you want to get faster, then it's your assignment, young man, to come back here and let's go through this every single day until you get faster at that particular issue. And then every now and again, he'll still practice hard. Then he won't do well. Then he'll come back and say, Daddy, I'm still not far. And then I'll say, well, okay. Well, maybe God just gave them a better talent in that area than you. And so how do you appreciate the talents you got and don't envy somebody else for the one they got? Ladies and gentlemen, you've got to tee up those moments so that your house is a sanctuary. Perfect illustration for this. Perfect illustration for this. It is the bottom of the ninth. Bottom of the ninth. Uh, Buddy and I, he's the coach of the team, and I'm watching his son is batter up. Last game, uh, 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 strike two, ball three. He's, the, he's up to bat. He's batting, and they're down by one. If he hits a run and hits it in, then it will be tied game. It goes into overtime. The coach, my buddy, he comes out and he says, hey, son, hey, son, hey, son, let me tell you something. And he says something to the son, and then the son goes up, hits the plate, and he's ready to go. So he comes back and says, hey, man, what did you just tell your son? He said, I told him, listen, buddy, if you hit this ball and it goes out of the park, we finna have a party. It is going to be ballistic up in here. We going to go crazy, and we going to get ice cream. And I said, okay, cool. I said, but that's not all I told him. I said, what has he told him? He said, well, I also told him, hey, buddy, if you miss and it goes to strike three, and I said, you're out. Then I said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to throw a party. We're going to go get some ice cream, and we're going to have the time of our lives. Here's what he was doing. He was reminding his son that when you come home, this home right here is our sanctuary. And we're going to interpret this not based on pleasing everybody else around us. We're going to interpret it that we did our best. We strive to do everything we could. And this was the outcome. And we're fine with it because that's not going to determine our identity. Our identity, who we are, God defines that. Not a God doggone game. Can I get a witness from somebody in this house? Your assignment is to remind yourself 
and to remind your kids and to remind your family that this house is a sanctuary. And even though you might get scorned out there, you might get ridiculed out there, when you come to this house, we're going to work hard. We're going to be the best we can be for the glory of God. But you better know we're not just performance based. We are love driven. And what motivates us is love. And you're going to know that our job is to love God. And then love each other. Can I get a witness, somebody? That's number one. What we're trying to do is tee it up for you so that you know this is number one. Let's go to number two. First one is a sanctuary, a shelter in the middle of storm. Let's go to the second one, y'all. Come on. Let's go. <clears throat> number two then says, it is a scouting agency. As you tee up your kids, as you do everything to create an environment, you ought to be, you ought to be rating yourself. How am I doing? How was the, my family of origin doing? And how am I going to make the adjustments to get better? Second is a scouting agency. This is big. You know what a scouting agency is, don't you? It is where our scouts go to games all the time. They go to practices all the time. And all they're doing is looking to see, to discover uh, 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 kids that have a five-tool kind of a kid. Five tools. Here's what they're looking for. They're looking for kids who have strength. They're looking for kids who can field real well, at least in baseball. That's what they're looking for. They're looking for kids who can field really, really well. They're looking for kids who can bat really, really, really well. They're looking for kids who can throw, and they're looking for kids who have power. Throwing, hitting, fielding, and power. That's what they're looking for. And they're saying, whenever they see it, whenever they see it in a kid, then that's the kid that they will call up. And so we want you to come to our college, or we want you to come to our league. Why? Because they're looking for these talents in the same way. Parents, you know what your assignment is? Your assignment it is to find and to discover the, the, the gifts that God has given to your kids. That's it. You're trying to discover. You're trying to look and say, God, where are these gifts in these kids? What most of us try to do is we try to live our lives through our kids by not looking at what God's doing in them and then fanning that flame. We try to ask, what should they do or what would give them the most scholarship money or what might make me look the best? And then you start fanning those friends. Your assignment. God, before the foundation of this earth, has placed a DNA in your kid. And that DNA, he has placed in it gifts and abilities and strengths. And he wants you to discover what he has placed in them and then fan that flame. How do we do that? Well, the Bible tells us that we have these, this thing called shape. You ought to look for your kids' shape. And that's what I want to teach you real quickly. If you go to our, our, um, our growth track, week number two and week number three is where we help you discover your shape. But you ought to be looking for it in your kids. You ought to be looking for their spiritual gifts. You ought to look at where that is and what that is and how that looks like. You ought to look for their heart and what their heart beats for. You ought to look for their abilities. What are the natural God-given abilities that they have? You ought to identify their personality and what, what edge does that give them? And then you ought to look for the experiences they have. But it's your assignment, mom. It's your assignment, dad, to discover it. Not force it in there, but discover it. I want you to check out one of the moms in our church. She has about six kids. A number of them are adopted. And I want you to watch how uniquely she seeks to discover what God has placed in her kids. Take a look. It's so cool to just watch them over the years, how God has 
shown me what they possibly might be good at in the future. And I think we're in a unique opportunity as moms to really help shape that and steer, especially those nuances that might rub us the wrong way, um, into a, a more positive direction. Like one of the kids, he's very dramatic. <laughs> She might have a few tantrums because she doesn't get what she wants, but at the end of the day, last year we were like, oh, let's, let's try theater. <laughs> and we put her in theater and she absolutely loved it and gained so much confidence from that. So it's so cool to see how God is kind of pulling that out and we can kind of see the gold and even the worst behavior sometimes. I'm not that kind of mom that just says, oh, you're good at everything. Yes, you're good. So I really try to hone in because we can't do everything. And I try to let them know that God does truly have a gift. I have one who loves to tell stories. She's actually writing a book. She's my 15-year-old. She absolutely loves it. And so we try to give her that space, okay? And we listen and edit. And I have another one who loves to cook. She loves to bake. She's very creative. So we just try to give her that space, you know, as a parent. It's like, okay, there's a mess everywhere, but she's creating. Um, I have another one who loves sports, and he's very gifted at it. So we let him do his thing. Um, the little ones, we haven't quite figured out <laughs> what they're going to do yet, but there's still plenty of time. The favorite parts for me, just watching the kids grow from having them as an infant to seeing them as a teenager and just seeing their eyes light up at the world and seeing how each of them truly is unique and they each have their own gifting, their own personalities, their own likes, the things that really bothers them and really trying to hone into those and really pour into them so that God can use them at a later time. That's an incredible story, everybody. Now, now I want, what I want you to do is I want you to look at what Proverbs 22 has to say. Here's what it says. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he's old, he will not depart from it. If you train up a child in the way God has designed them to be, our job then it is to look for their tendencies, their bent, their proclivities, what they're leaning toward, and then we need to fan that flame and develop that in them. That's your assignment. And by the way, parents who has uh, adult uh, kids, you need to remember that's your assignment too. And even though you can use the friendship and you can now influence them to become and discover who God wants them to be. A dear friend of mine uh, uh, grew up and his dad was a, was a chemical engineer. And he wanted his son to be a chemical engineer. So when he would come home and he'd get grades in chemistry or in any kind of science uh, class, the, the dad would say, we don't get B's, son. He got A's and everything else, but we don't get B's in science. That's not who, that's not who we are. And so the, the young man became, and he did better, and he tried to do better, and ultimately he became exactly what his dad was. And he went into the field and he started, and he went in there for about two years and he was so frustrated. He said, I get no joy out of this. I do not want to do this for the rest of my life. And then after getting a bachelor's and a, and a, and a, and a master's degree and went into his professional career, he said, that's not what God's called me to do. I've got to go pursue it. When he left the house, then he decided that he would actually become a young man that helps organizations, listen, 
and people discover who they are and what God is calling them to do. And today, he helps organizations, large ones, discover their unique niche. And today, he's helping individuals and coaches and, and, and leaders and pastors and, and major thought leaders discover who God has called, has called them to be. See, what his dad wanted him to force, his dad wanted to force him to do what his dad wanted to do. And he had to discover for himself, that's not, my, that's not what brings me joy. And therefore, I'm going to do what I desire, what God has already placed in me. Be careful, parents, when you force what you want to do in your kids. Now, let's go back to scouting. Three things, and then we'll move on. There are three things. Here's what you've got to remember. You're moving from parental control to self-control, to God control. You, the funnel starts real wide. All right, we're moving. Okay, you can do everything. You can do everything you want to do. Then it goes down. What is it that they're honing their passions for and they do naturally well? And then you go one further down to what is it they're going to ask the question now. What is it, what's the one thing that God really has placed me here on the planet to do? What's that one thing? And that's what you ought to go after. Let's move it down. We talked about, number one, it being a sanctuary. We talked about, number two, it being a scouting agency. Number three then, not only is it those two, it's also a school. Your house is a school. A school where you're going to teach them values. You're going to teach them character. You're going to teach them how to handle and have great relationships. Three things you're teaching them in the school. Relationship, character, and values. That's what we're driving in to these kids. Now, everybody remember this. The enemy wants to teach your kids a set of values. But it's your job to teach your kids the values from the Word of God. Listen, everybody, the devil has no new tricks. There are only three, only three temptations. There are only three things he tries to do to trip us up. He did it in the garden. He did it with Jesus in the wilderness, the same three, and he is doing it to you and to your kids today. Here are the three. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life. You might say it this way, same three, same exact three. You might say sex. Salary, status, same three. You might say it this way, passion, possession, prestige, same three. Uh, philosophers might say it this way, hedonism, secularism, materialism, same three. Same three that will hit you today, same three that will hit you in all of life. That's what it looks like. Same three temptations that the enemy tries to You know one of the things that you should do? I promise you, when you have like teenagers, you should watch a TV show together and you should say, I give you a dollar for every time an advertiser shows up. If you can identify which one of these three they're selling us, you get a dollar. And you ought to train your kids to know what the enemy enemy is trying to sell them should be a value in their lives. Because too many kids say, I just, I just care about how I look. I care about how I look. I care about how I look. I care about how I look. I, I want to be cool. I want to be And then all they're selling is, is status. I care about, I need, I need to make the most money. I need to make the most. All they care about is, 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 is salary and possessions. I, I care about, I just have to do what I feel. I have to do what I feel. I just feel it, so I have to do it. And all they care about is passion. You see what I'm saying, ladies and gentlemen? It's the same three. And you need to counteract that with your, with your values that you're teaching your kids as a school system. Listen, listen. Listen, listen, somebody says, I hear this often. I hear it pretty, pretty regularly. I don't want to force my values 
my Christian ethic on my kids. I want them to choose for themselves. Can I tell you what you're saying then? You're saying you want the television to teach your kids these three values and to highlight them for your kids so that your kids believe this more than they believe what God says about any of those three. That's the danger, which is why you have to train them with discerning eyes to see which one anybody is selling them at any one time. They ought to be good at doing that, and your job it is to make sure they get better and better and better at that. So let's go back to this idea of school. What are we trying to train them in? We're trying to train them in relationships. Ladies and gentlemen, a lot of people today, the reason they can't have a successful career is because they don't know how to handle relationships. Ladies and gentlemen, let's flip it down. Character, who you are when nobody is looking. There are adults today that have no character because they did not learn it at home. There are adults today that can't keep a job because they did not learn it at home. There are adults today that cannot get into the C-suite because they did not learn how to handle relationships well and how to be savvy with relationships and how, why they need people in their lives to develop them over time. The reason this happens is because we didn't learn it at home. So either you get a coach to help you if you're an older adult now, or you begin the process of pouring it into your kids. Ah, the other day, um, my son and my daughter had a fight. The fight was about who got the chair first. So I heard this. I'm coming out of the bedroom, and, I, and Chloe says, hey, hey, I want to sit in that chair because that was usually the chair that she sits in. But on this particular day, her big brother wanted to sit in that chair. So she says, that's my chair, but he got it first. So then the, the fight ensued. Well I, well, I want my chair, to which he says, I got here first. So I went over, and so the, the, the fight was continuing. And I said, hey, Chloe, that's, that's not how we do it. What am I doing? What am I doing? What am I doing? I'm trying to reinforce how to have conflict. I'm trying to reinforce how to have character. I'm trying to reinforce how to develop values as you're interacting. So I said, Chloe, you've got to look in your brother's eyes, and you've got to ask him if you can have the chair since he got it first. She says, "That brother, I need my chair. I said, no, that's not how you do it. You got to ask him, uh, Joa, can I please sit in this chair? So she said, Joa, can I please sit in this chair? And he says, no, I got here first. And then she says, ah! and so she wanted to cry. And I said, well, hold on. Crying is appropriate, but not in this instance. You need to ask your brother again and see if you can influence him over to have the chair. Daddy, I can't do it. He doesn't want to give me. Okay, so now I got to teach you. How do you handle loss when you don't win an argument or when you don't get what you want? Listen to me. There are grown people today who still don't know how to handle loss. There are grown people today who still don't know how to handle that somebody got the promotion and they did not. There are grown people today that still don't know how to handle when somebody walks away from you and say, you're not the one for me. They still don't know. And now they want to go take pills. They want to do everything. Why? Because they did not learn it when they're at home. And we have the opportunity now to launch these kids to launch ourselves into the future. If we ever learn the values, the character, and how to have healthy relationships along the path. So let me give you four areas. Uh, this is not in your notes, this is extra. Four, er four things I want you to consider that you need to look for as you school your kids 
in character development, relationship development, and value development. Number one, you must, you must ask and answer this question. What do, what do I do with my feelings? You must train your kids. How, how do I handle my feelings? Ah, you must, you must train your kids. How do I handle conflict? You must train your kids. How do I handle loss? You must train your kids. How do I develop good habits? How do I handle loss? How do I, what are good, healthy character qualities for me to have? What are good habits for me to have? You must ask, how do I handle conflict? And lastly, you must ask, how do I deal with my feelings? Have you seen people that walk out of good relationships because their feelings got hurt? Come on, somebody. That's because nobody taught us how to deal with it. A dear friend of mine, this is a real painful one, a dear friend of mine, just just, just, just got really, really hurt. And he wanted to take his life. You know why? Because he didn't know how to handle loss. How about you? Will you train the next generation to make sure they can handle loss? Will you please do it? Will you please not just see that? Get out of my way. I'm, you're in my space too much. Go upstairs and go to your room. But when you see the conflict arise, will you take the time? Because when you teach in that moment, you're building a character and a habit that over time, they'll be far ahead of their class. And that's all because they grew up in your house. Let's go to number four. What's number one again? Sanctuary. What's number two? Scouting agency. What's number three? A school. Let's go to the last one and then let's see if we can tie this whole thing together. The last one is a service provider. The last one, number four, is a service provider. Look in your notes and let's go through it. Number four is a service provider. That is 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. Here's what, here's what 1 Peter, put up 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. Here's what it says, everybody. It says that each one has received a special gift. That means every person listening to me has a special gift from God. Employ it. Do something with it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Everybody listen to me. This one is where you, you, you fight. It is the antidote to self-centeredness. This is why this one is huge. Everything in life says me first. Your kids grew up, and before they can say mommy, they say mine, because all they care about is me, 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 and me, and me. You have seen adults who all they care about is me, 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 and me. That's because nobody taught them up front how to not live life just for you, which is why what this does is prepares us with a ministry mindset, which is vital for the health of your child. The Bible says the great commandment, it says, love the Lord your God and love, love, love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, you ought to be outwardly focused. You ought to love God, you ought to love others, then you ought to love yourself. Most people live their lives, I'm going to love me, and then if I have time, I'll love God, and then for sure, if I got like 1% of time, I'm going to love others. But God actually flips it around and reverses it. And this text tells you, the reason he gives you a special gift is not for you, it is for you to employ it in serving one another as good steward for the manifold grace of God. God has given you, by his grace, this gift, and he wants you to 
to use it for his glory. So how do we go about, how do we go about doing that? My son, again, um, here it is now. They're fighting for a toy, uh, and he, she has a toy, and he wants it, and he's fighting for it. He said, Dad, she won't give me the toy, to which I said, because, you know, I want him. I don't know if he has it yet, but I want him to have the leadership gift. So I said, son, well, you've got to come up with four reasons, think about this privately, and then come back to your sister and have a discussion about how you're going to influence her to give you the toy that you want. So now you have to go back and pontificate and process and reflect. And so I said, okay, what are your thoughts? What do you think you could do to influence her to give her? I said, well, I could give her a candy. Do you have any candy? No. Well, you can't do that. All right, I'll give her. And then he comes up with a couple reasons. And then I said, okay, go try it now. Go see how you can take and get from your sister what you want. What am I trying to do? I'm trying to see, listen, if he has this gift, so I'm trying to develop it out of him. Ladies and gentlemen, it's your job. You know why yesterday when we were serving all the moms, you know why he was out there? Because I wanted him to see that this is part of what we do. Get away from the television. Get away from your games. Get away from me, 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 me. And go see that life in life, you exist to serve other people. Ladies and gentlemen, if it's not in you, it won't be in them. So you have to get up and start serving and you've got to take them with you so they see that this is a normal part of life. This is what we do. This is what Christ followers do. In the household I grew up in, there was no choice. That's all we did. We went to church. We served. That's all we did. You know what, we, you know what I'm doing right now? Serving. You know what my sister is doing, who is a dean at a university in San Antonio? You know what she's doing? Every opportunity she gets, she serves. You know what her kids are doing? Serving. You know what my other sister is doing in San Jose, California? You know what she's doing? Stay-at-home mom. You know what she's doing with an MBA? You know what she's doing? Serving. You know why? Because it was built into our DNA. Here's why. Because that's all they did, so that's all we do. You'd, every person under the sound of my voice, every one of us, is in full-time ministry. You're a chemical engineer, then you are a chemical engineer, a Christian that's a chemical engineer that is serving Jesus on your job. You are, every one of us, are in full-time ministry, and it is the only antidote to self-centeredness. If you find your kid being self-centered, then dial up the serving dial so that they can serve more, so that you can see that life is not just about me. It's about serving others. Three areas here. Let's take a look at them. How do you know that they're serving? You're going to look at their interests. How do you know how they interpret their trouble? How do you know? By looking at their schedule. So when you look at what they're interested in, uh, my, my, uh, whenever, whenever the kids come down and say, hey man, have you, have you dropped to the ground and tell God thank you for waking you up yet? Then the second question I said, have you gone to everybody around here and tell them glad to see? You know why that's important? Because I want to make sure that they know that life does not just exist. Well, let's see if I can get on a, uh, 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 some kind of computer to play a game. Let me see if I can go hang out with my friend. No, no, it's not about you first. It's about others. 
but you got to train that. It's got, it's got to be what they see in your life so that you can pull it up too. When they're in trouble, when things happen, when trouble come, when storms come, are they going to God first? Are they coming to you first? Are they going to their friends first? As Jada said last week, are you the hero in your house or is Jesus the hero in your house? And he should be, and that's who they should go to first before they come to you. How do you know if you have created the antidote for self-centeredness? You are creating an environment of service. How do you know that the schedule, how do you know if they're doing it? That their schedule dictates it. All right, all right, all right. Let me see if I can help you out. I'll try one more thing, one more thing, one more thing. It's like the family, and you're trying to create this environment for them, everybody. The challenge becomes, here's the challenge, it becomes that you've got four wheels that you're trying to make sure they're all balanced as you're carrying and making sure that you're leading the family well. Now, what happens huh, if, if you don't have four wheels? Here's what it looks like. So then, one of the wheels are gone. So now, you're pulling it, but it's, it's not the same. You got you to compensate for what you didn't have and now it takes more energy, more time to pull this thing together. Well, what happens if one of these wheels on this side comes off like this? Now, you're carrying this thing, but in every area of your life, you are counteracting and trying to spend a whole lot of energy trying to make sure that you're doing everything the right way. But it takes so much energy because God didn't create the family to be a two-wheel kind of family he created for. So when you get married, you know what you do sometimes? When you get married, mister, you come to the marriage and you said, hey, girl. I got everything you ever need. Here's the danger. When somebody has to convince you that there, you have two wheels missing and they have to now fight you to believe that you got two wheels missing, now there is contention in the home that God never designed for it to be in the home, but because we didn't set them up for success, now they're walking around, listen, convinced they have four when they only got two. That's what happens oftentimes, ladies and gentlemen. Mrs., when, when your daddy walks you down that aisle and says, uh, I give you this, this, here's my bride, I give her to you, and you're convinced that you're just this perfect person and you don't realize the lack, you didn't, that your parents didn't school you well or your parents didn't make sure you were selfless and that you had the service provider, then now all of a sudden you're making life all about you. And all of a sudden now, you want everybody, the whole world, to revolve around you. And so now, you, this is how you look. And you know the worst thing? The worst thing is that you are convinced that you are just perfect and fine. You are convinced that the problem is everybody else's and not yours. Can I get a witness? Somebody. But what God intends is for you, parents, for you, families, for you, to make sure that all the wheels are intact and to your best of your ability for the glory of God, you are providing the sanctuary as a home. 
You're doing everything you can to make sure that not only are you providing the central, you're providing the school. Not only are you providing the school, but you are discovering their gifts by being a scouting agency. And not only are you doing that, but you're doing everything in your power to make sure your kids have all four wheels intact as you are launching them into a future. So ladies and gentlemen, you need to be a service provider. That's what you're trying to create. That's the purpose of a family, service provider. You need to be a scouting agency. You need to be a sanctuary. And you need to be a school. If you do that, then you would have successfully, listen now, here we go, successfully begin the process of putting in place all four of the fetching arrows. Now when you get to launch it, now you're pulling it back and you're ready to launch that child into a future. Remember, they were created for impact just like the arrow. And your job is to make sure they're stabilized as they're going straight toward the goal. By the way, fellas, you'll get this. Do you know why the football has to go through that spinning cycle? For stability, for accuracy, and so that they hit the target. Same thing. Why are you trying to create in your own home these four around your kids so that you will create it and they will create it naturally because it's in you, therefore it's in them. But I know what you're saying. You're saying, Pastor, I, I didn't start okay. I had a pretty bad start. I don't know if I got one or even two of those. What am I supposed to do? And that's when God says to you, it's like a pizza box. Anybody got a pizza around here? Bring a pizza around here. It's like a pizza box. The pizza box costs 39 cents. By itself, the pizza box is not valuable. Stay right there, Mr. Pizza. Let's hear it for the pizza delivery man, by the way. Come on, somebody. Let's hear it for the pizza delivery man. By itself, this pizza box is not valuable. Can you imagine if somebody come to your house, especially in, especially in this season, walking around, talking about, here go your pizza, here, but they have it in their hand, not in this tray, in their hand. Here go your pizza. You know what you'd say? You'd say, you can keep that, bro. You can keep that. You know why? Because you don't want nobody messing with your food. Listen, the, the box, the pizza box is not valuable unless something valuable is placed inside of it and the thing that is valuable inside now makes the box valuable. You know, all the pizza delivery man needs is an empty box and a clean box, and he can put a valuable pizza inside of it. Can I tell you what God needs, ladies and gentlemen? All he needs is a husband, a wife, a student, or a child that is willing to be empty and is willing to be clean. And if you're clean and if you're empty, he'll say, I'll put my valuable Holy Spirit inside of you so that you will have the power to pull off all four feathers of your arrow so that you can launch it. It's not how you start, ladies and gentlemen. It's how you finish. And the starting point is for you to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So if you don't know Jesus Christ today, then it starts, this whole thing starts with you having a personal relationship with him so you can get to know him as your personal Lord and Savior. Right after that, if you've wandered away, God says, if you'll just come back to me and say, God, I need you now. Oh, how I need you now. What you're saying to God is, God is here I am. I'm empty now. 
and I want to be clean. That's all he needs to then tell you, here you go. I now will put you on the path to the success and the dream I originally had for you. Is that you today? Are you a sinner? Somebody has walked away from God and you want to come back to God? Then why don't you do that today? Why don't you come out? Why don't you take your next step? Are you wandering away and you're not a part of a body of believers? Then why don't you come on back home today? Well, our doors are open and we'd love for you to be a part of the body gathered here at One Community Church. And so if that's you, why don't you do that? And then if you don't know Jesus, we want to introduce you to the man Christ Jesus today. Why don't you fill out in that chat? Hey man, I have questions about Jesus. I'd love to get to know him. Then you fill that out. If you've got a past where you didn't have any of these uh, 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 a fletching associated with you and, and you say, Pastor, I don't know where to start. We'd love, you need some counseling? We'd love to walk with you in that area because your kids desperately need, as Jada said last week, a healthy you because if it's in you, then the chances that it will be in them is significantly high. So let me pray with you if you don't mind and then we'll show it over to our application time. You don't want to miss it because they're going to tell you how they're going to apply it and how you should apply it to you. Father, we thank you for every person and every family and every mother watching this, this experience with us today. God, it doesn't matter how we started. What matters is what we're going to do today. So will you help every last one of us take the evaluation and say, how am I doing with creating a sanctuary? How am I doing with creating a school? How am I doing with being a service provider? How am I doing with being a scouting agency? Will you help every last one of us evaluate effectively, own our issue, and then begin the game planning of working out how we're going to do better? I pray blessing over every household. I pray favor over every household. I pray righteousness over every household. I pray against the plan of the devil. And I pray that every arrow, every arrow put in the bow from today forward would have all four purposes of the family so that when we launch them, they will go to the intended target that you had in mind. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. Family, we're going to go over to our half uh, uh, time where we apply the word now. So why don't you guys take it away? Pastor Matt, why don't you take it away?